Did you know this is Pentecost Sunday? How many of you knew? Ah, Pentecost Sunday. It's 50 days since Easter. So Pentecost is the 50th day. And uh, it was on the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. And many people would say the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit came to indwell the believers, baptize them, and indwell them. I'm in John chapter 14 in a passage about the Spirit working through the infused or spiritual virtues of faith, hope, and love. Some of you may thought when I did the cardinal virtues, prudence, justice, temperance, and courage, you may have been thinking, well, what about faith, hope, and love? Well, they are virtues too, and I'm finishing these up with love this Sunday and next Sunday I want us to visit 1 Corinthians 13 the love chapter we're going to sing in a little bit this one thing remains and that is a quote from 1 Corinthians 13 so I hope that uh, you'll be here next Sunday as we look at love once again but today John chapter 14 in the wonderful words of Jesus that we understand to be delivered in the upper room right before they come to arrest him and I'm starting in verse 15 Jesus says if you love me you will obey what I command and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever the spirit of truth the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you I will not leave you as orphans I will come to you before long the world will not see me anymore but you will see me because I live you also will live on that day you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you whoever has my commands and obeys them he is the one who loves me he who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and show myself to him then Judas not Judas Iscariot there was another Judas in the twelve said but Lord why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world Jesus replied if anyone loves me he will obey my teaching my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him he who does not love me will not obey my teaching these words you hear are not my own they belong to the Father who sent me Jesus talking about love and talking about the Holy Spirit right before he leaves right before he goes to the cross is buried and rises from the dead the third day and then just 
40 days later, ascends to the Father. Right before all these things happen, Jesus delivers this word to his disciples. You know, love turns a band of disciples into a family. Jesus says in this passage, we're going to make our home with the people who love us. If you're part of a home, you know what it's like to be in a family. Now these 12 guys, think about it. These young men, these 12, they've been with Jesus for three years. He's been teaching them. He's been pouring his life into them. They've been following him around from town to town and village to village. They've been watching him heal people and do the miracles that he did. And they have developed a tremendous affection for Jesus and a great connection to Jesus. These 12 men may not even have known one another before Jesus called them, but now they are a family. And they have redefined life, all 12 of them, in terms of Jesus, who he is, and who they are in him. That's what happens in the church of Jesus Christ still today. People who come to know Jesus very soon develop this sense of family. In fact, in the early church, it was clearly instructed, you ought to call the men in the church brother. You ought to treat the women in the church like your sister because we are family. I wish I could just take this truth and run it right straight to your heart and mind so you could receive it all the way, just fully and completely, that you are part of a family. It has been that way from the very first since the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost, since the Holy Spirit came in power. 3,000 people were saved and then another 5,000 and God was bringing these thousands of people into his fold and he was doing it through the church and they were gathering house to house as well as in large gatherings and they were enjoying fellowship and, and eating together, breaking bread together, praying together, rejoicing in the Lord together, having a, an experience of the Holy Spirit that was sensational. They'd never imagined life could be like this before. And that sense of family created in the church continued through the years that came as the church spread across Asia Minor. Churches were planted in little Roman and Greek communities and synagogues were drawn into the fellowship of believers and folks started seeing Jesus as Savior and Lord. And it changed the way they connected to one another. It's supposed to change how you connect to other people love turns a band of disciples into a family that's what was going on on the day of Pentecost that's what goes on as people are baptized by the spirit into the body of Christ now you got to act like family maybe you're thinking well 
I don't know that I feel like the church is family. Maybe you're not treating the church like family. Maybe your testimony is, well, I was in the church for a long time and I got hurt in the church. People in the church hurt me. They talked ill of me. They made comments about me. I'm not sure I trust them. Hey, you're looking at the preacher, right? I've been in the church all my life. People have said mean things about me sometimes. Sometimes I've been hurt in the church. That's also happened in my family. I'm not telling you the church is perfect and you're going to be received perfectly and in absolute and continuous love every time and every way. I am challenging you to treat church as family. That we are together in the journey. We're going through this life arm in arm, hand in hand. We are loving one another like Jesus loved us. That's what it says. And we're caring for each other. Now, I see expressions of this all around me all the time, seven days a week as pastor of the church. I see people showing up at hospitals, rejoicing when babies are born, taking care of people when they've lost loved ones, taking food to their houses, creating food chains, whatever that is. I've seen that advertised. I know that's happening. People praying for each other and caring for one another. It happens, but you have to be deliberate about it. Jesus was deliberate about it. It's love that in your small group turns a band of disciples into a family. The scripture says we will love them and make our home with them. Love creates security in transition you ever been through a transition does it make your knees wobble when the boss says look you got to go I've got to downsize and you go through a transition or your family has to move or you graduate from seminary and you're on the cusp of a new adventure but you don't know what's next. Love creates security in transition. The disciples are afraid. Jesus has told them he's going away. That's the last thing they want. They don't want him leaving. They don't want him going away. Their life is collected around him. He's the stackpole. He's the center. He's the foundation. And he says that he's going away. That's bad news for every one of them. And they are disturbed. They are afraid. Of course, these disciples are frequently afraid, right? Pretty much one of the most repeated sayings of Jesus is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You can hear that this morning. You can hear that. Go ahead. Hear the Holy Spirit saying to you, don't be afraid. You're in a transition. Life is changing on you. Don't be afraid. Hey, you work so hard to stabilize your life. You thought you had everything nailed down. As soon as you get it all perfectly like you want it, the boards start popping up. Is that true? 
Doesn't that happen? Can you hear the Holy Spirit saying to you, don't be afraid. You know why we fear? We are afraid because we fear abandonment. We're afraid Jesus is going away and he's not coming back and we're never going to see him again. We're afraid that somehow in the transition of life we're going to lose connection with Jesus or maybe with his people that we'll never find another church like the one we're in right now and it's just never going to work out in the new community like it has in the past and somehow we're going to lose something that we can't ever get back. That's what the disciples are feeling. They're feeling just that. They're feeling like, Jesus, you can't go. We're not ready for you to leave. And they're wondering, what in the world are we going to do if Jesus leaves? And that's when Jesus says, I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to send you another paraclete. And it's translated here, counselor. In the old Bible, it says, comforter. He's going to send the Holy Spirit who will be your comforter. See, Jesus loves his disciples too much to let them alone. He says, I will not leave you without comfort. I will come to you. How are you going to do this, Jesus? You just said you're going away. I'm coming back in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be with you through him. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I will not leave you as orphans. That's what the text says. In the Greek, it is the word orphanos, from which we get the word orphan. And an orphan is somebody whose parents died or abandoned them, and they haven't yet been adopted. They have no family to give them affection. That's what an orphan is. And it's a scary place to be. I will never forget the orphans in the places where I've been. From the time I was a boy, I visited orphanages. And we went to an orphanage in Juarez, Mexico when I was 11 years old and my brothers and I had learned to walk on our hands I wish I could tell you I can still do that and flip right up and walk around on my hands but uh, my body is bigger now okay but I tell you back then we could walk on our hands and we put on a little show for the orphans and we met the orphans and talked to them and tried to love on them they are desperate people, some of them. They have nobody in this world. They gather around your car when you stop at a light in Lima, Peru, or walk down the street in Caracas, Venezuela. And if you give anything out, pretty soon you are swarmed by the kids who live on the streets and make their way on the streets. I will not leave you as an orphan, Jesus says. I'm coming to you. You are not an orphan spiritually. 
You've not been abandoned by the God who made you. The one who brought you into being has not left you and gone to some other corner of the universe. You're intentionally his. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He knit you together in your mother's womb. That's what the scripture says, and he has not abandoned you. I had the opportunity this week to lead someone in a prayer committing their life to Christ, receiving God's forgiveness. And it's a wonderful moment. And every time when I get through, I turn to them, I say, now, now where's Christ? Where is Jesus? And they say, he's right here. And then I give them the words of Jesus when he said, I will never leave you not in college, not in graduate school, not when you're at the funeral home. I will never leave you. I will never desert you. And I tell them, I want you to grab that truth and pull it in your heart right now and hold it as close and tight as you can. Because what's happened right now is not just something you've done. You've prayed. You've asked, opened your heart to Jesus. You heard him knocking on your heart's door. You did the best you could in opening the door. But God did something in this moment too, not just you. God came in. He received you. He took you into his arms. He's wrapped your arms around you, his arms around you, and you are his. And there may be some day when you are saying to yourself, I've undone what I did back then. Somehow it's unraveled on me. And it feels opposite in my life. And at sometimes after we leave the place of confession, bad things happen in our lives and we make bad decisions and we think we've undone it all. And that might be true if we did it all. But we didn't do it all. What made you God's child, what brought you into his family, what made you not an orphan anymore, what adopted you into the family of God is the activity of God on your behalf. And that you cannot undo. Is that okay with you? Is that okay with you? Are you okay with God doing something to you that you cannot undo? What security would you ever have walking on this planet? If it was all up to you, you just had to hang on as tight as you could. And sometimes you feel like your fingers have slipped and the rope ran through them. And you turn loose. And you imagine yourself falling through the blackness of space because you turn loose. And that picture is not true about you. I will not abandon you. I will never leave you. Or forsake you and once you have received Christ as Savior and you have turned to him and received his forgiveness become his child you are his I will not leave you as orphans I will come to you see Jesus wants you to stand firm in every transition in your life because you are standing in his love and love does not leave you love stays with you
Love keeps you. Love holds you close. More than anything else, that's what Jesus is saying to these disciples who are disturbed about being in the world without him. You're not going to be without me. I'm going to be right there with you. The Holy Spirit is coming. He is the comforter. He is the teacher. He is the counselor. And he is going to care for you. I'll always be with you, no matter where you are. Brothers and sisters, on this Pentecost Sunday, we need to affirm again what we have personally appropriated through the coming of the Holy Spirit. What we got. We got God resident in our lives. Our bodies became the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. This is the love of God. You say, why would God do that? I ask myself that often. I say, why would God love somebody like me? Why would Jesus love these stinky fishermen? Why would he love them? Why would he love them so much that he wanted them to be with him always? And even at the point of death, say, I'm going to come and get you so that where I am, there you may be also. I can't explain it, but that is the heart of God who made you for himself and draws you to himself. And love produces the best obedience. I want you to feel a sense of duty. If you're the dad, I want you to wake up on Sunday morning and say, you know what? I got to get these kids to church. Even though we were out late last night, we worship with the people of God every first day of the week, and we're going to do it. I want you to feel that sense of duty, okay? Duty is okay. Duty is good. I want you to have a great respect for God. And when you get ready to step across the line that he's drawn in your life, and you know you're about to violate one of his laws, I want you to think about, whoa, He's an awesome God. What, what might happen if I... I want you to have a little fear in you, okay? The problem with duty is this. It can become habit without heart. Writing that check every week, going to that church every week, trying to get there, spend my time, check that box, go on my way, just, just doing my duty not really putting my heart in it duty can become habit without heart and fear when it's your motivation to obey it can be full of excuses if it's fear that, that prompts you to stay in line with God you may tell yourself, oh, God would ne never let anything bad happen to me. You know, I can do these things and there won't be any problem with that. God would never let anything bad happen to me. 
Or, this isn't really breaking the command. I'm just stretching it a little bit. Fear, fear can fill up with excuses. Hey, but if you obey out of love, that's the highest motivation a child can have for saying yes to the Father. You know, Dad, I don't understand this. I don't know how this works out. I don't know why you want me to do this, but I love you. And therefore, I'm going to do it. You say, well, preacher, how do you know that love is the highest form of obedience? It's because that's what Jesus practiced. He loved the Father, and because he loved the Father, he did what the Father said do. He said what the Father said say. That's what he did. And I told the baptism candidates just a little bit, when he came dripping wet out of the Jordan River after being baptized by John the Baptist, the Father said, look at my son. This is the one I love. I am pleased with him. Booming out of heaven right then. I am pleased with him. That's the heart of the Father swelled up because the Son loves him. And he's done what is right. And he sought to please the Father in what he did. Love produces the best obedience. That's why when they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Okay, I want to obey God. What's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God. Love. Love. The Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the great command. And then in John 13, 34, he said, a new commandment I'm giving to you. These are the 12 sitting there, okay. Here's the new commandment. You want to know what it means to follow the commands of Jesus? If a man loves me, he will obey my teaching. He who follows my commands, has my commands and keeps them, he's the one who loves me. If a man loves me, he will do what I say. Love is going to be leading you to obey. Obedience is the evidence of love. Love produces the highest obedience because it follows in the footsteps of Jesus. A new command I give you then. Love one another as I have loved you. By this shall all people know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Brothers and sisters, we need a new baptism of love in our families, in our marriages. In our church, our small groups, our Bible classes, we need a new baptism of love. Love is something you work on day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year. You do it in your family. You do it with your spouse. You know that last year's love is not enough for right now. It's the same with God and our relationship with Him. 
Today is the day to love him. And to demonstrate your love by doing what he says. Now, Beverly Hopper, I don't know if you're here, Beverly. Are you here in the room? Her story, her love story is on the front of the worship guide. I don't know if you've taken time to read it, but I, I want you to read it, okay? It's an inspiring story of how she lost her husband and how God was faithful through this transition in her life and how she found security in the midst of that transition and how Jesus carried her through and gave her peace she is abiding still in the love of God and looking forward to the reunion one day that Jesus has promised for those who love him I wonder about you where you are in the love of God are you holding fast are you standing true are you secure in his love are you every day loving God by doing what he prompts you to do or are you one of those folks who is living right now in open rebellion you got something going on in your life and you know you know it's not what God wants you know it's not what he wants maybe Jesus is doing to you what he did to Peter beside the sea. Got a simple question for you. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He says to the busy housewife with all her duties, to the businessman, hurrying on his way to the college student struggling with his issues do you love me I'll bet you know what the love of God demands a Catholic friend pointed out to me that the last words we have of Jesus mother Mary is her saying at the wedding whatever he says to you do it let's bow together we bow our heads in the presence of the God who knows us completely and sees us right down to the core and God we're inviting you now to speak your word to us we love you Lord this is our confession we are ready to hear the word if we've been out of line and out of source out of your will if we have known sin in our lives we're inviting you by your Holy Spirit to point it out let us know bring it to mind and heart we're sitting down with you Jesus we're ready for the question from your heart do we love you 
get us ready for the answer that changes life changes today and tomorrow changes not only what we do but how we feel and even who we are help us be able to say with your apostle Peter Lord you know I love you and change our behavior to say it as well in Jesus name we pray Amen.